sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, I'm going to sit down with Dan Alexander, first-time guest here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. We're going to break down the world of late-season NFL betting. We're going to talk about some bet-on teams, some bet-against teams, some over-teams, some under-teams. And the key factors that you need to consider when it comes to late-season NFL handicapping as opposed to early or mid-season NFL handicapping. So we'll get into it uh, with Dan Alexander uh, coming up. But before we get into that, i, I got to talk about what happened on Thursday night with the upset win for the L.A. Rams over the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is a classic case. Truly a classic case of a dead team in L.A. that finds a way to have some life. And whenever you see this happening, all right, when you see a team that looks dead, look, the Rams were 3-9 and nine heading into Thursday night's game. They're without the majority of their veterans that they won the Super Bowl with last year. It's a dead season for the Rams. They have nothing to play for, per se, they, <laughs> I saw a great tweet, like the Amazon primed in a quarterback. Yeah, you know, Baker Mayfield, who literally had, what, half a practice with the team? You know, he didn't get there until the day before the game. And Baker Mayfield <laughs> uh, comes on the field and, and leads the Rams to not one, but two of fourth quarter touchdowns, including a 98-yard touchdown drive in less than two minutes with no timeouts. With a new team, with a new offense. How do they do that? How does that happen? A dead team that finds life. Well, (laughs) there's a couple of theories. But here's one. Is that the better of the two teams, the Raiders, didn't stick a fork in them when they had a chance. The Raiders threw, let's see, there's a Derek Carr interception before halftime. That left it 13-3 instead of 16-3 or 20-3. The second half... They never found any rhythm. You know, they went three and out for three times in four second half drives into one field goal. On the other drive, you had the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. <laughs> you know, instead of a second and 19 from the Rams 13 on that final drive, they had a 15-yard penalty to give the Rams first and 10 from their own 28. Penalties were a problem for the Raiders in that ballgame. Turnovers were a problem for the Raiders in that ballgame. Dead teams die when you stomp on them. When you let them hang around, you can lose to a quarterback who joined his new team less than 48 hours before kickoff. And again, the one brief walkthrough practice. Now, you know, Mayfield had a good game. Certainly from a film standpoint, it wasn't like the Raiders had a whole lot of ideas about what he was going to do in that contest. And let's give Sean McVay credit here for a minute. You want to talk about a coach who put together, again, they have a field goal in the fourth quarter. It's not like the offense worked the whole game. But game on the line, a guy who's been there for one walkthrough, Sean McVay is able to coach him down the field, get the, the players in the right formations. Basically, he was in Mayfield's helmet. 
saying, all right, <laughs> telling each route that's going to be run, where the guys have to line up. It's a ton of info that's getting uh, transmitted to the quarterback in a situation like that. And what happens in the fourth quarter? Mayfield goes 15 or 20, you know, uh, and brings the team on two long touchdown drives. Now, in a game, you can kind of sense when the momentum's going to turn. And for in-game betting, that's something you always look for, you know. Uh, but this win for the Rams to now improve to 4-9, and nine, to me, it's all about the Raiders. All right? <laughs> the Raiders 0-4 this season when leading by double digits at halftime. That's the most losses in that situation by any team in the history of the NFL. I shouldn't say that. It only goes, the data I have only goes back to 1930. There may have been one. I think the league formed in 1920. So there may have been a team that blew four double-digit halftime leads in the 1920s. But it certainly hasn't happened a whole lot. And it certainly hasn't happened in the modern era. And, of course, you look at the numbers after the game. You know, Carr, 137 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Devontae Adams, no catches in the second half, only three targets. The entire Raiders offense only got 67 yards at halftime. This is a team <laughs> in the Raiders. Look, the talent's there for Vegas. At least mostly, the high-end talent's there. Uh, I'm not convinced about their depth, and I'm not convinced that the roster's made up perfectly. But it's not like the Raiders are bottom feeders. It's not like the Raiders weren't capable, wouldn't be capable of sticking a fork in a team like the Chargers. But from a mentality standpoint, we haven't seen that from Vegas at any point this season. When they have a lead, ah, they relax. They go into halftime up doubles. Ah, we got this game won. And as we know, as we've seen, that's not the mentality for getting the job done in the second half. I hope if you bet the Thursday night game and you were on the Raiders, you got off it in game. I hope if you bet the Thursday night game, uh, you put a little bit of Rams money line perhaps in game in play in that one. But the bottom line, which... When we're talking about the back half of the NFL season, we're talking about teams that aren't in contention, that have nothing to play for per se, playing out the string. We're going to hear this over and over again over the back portion of the NFL campaign. Just be careful. <laughs> Leave it at that. Dead teams can find a way to come back to life when the team that's supposed to beat them isn't getting the job done. Dan Alexander, coming up next. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week 14 of the NFL season kicks off today on Sunday, and I'm bringing in Dan Alexander to join me. First-time guest here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. You can find him on Twitter at Newbie Talks, N-E-U-B-Y, Newbie Talks. Dan Alexander, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you doing this week? Uh, this is this is terrific, Teddy. Thank you for having me on. And yes, uh, Newbie Talks by name, Newbie Talks by nature. I think we'll have no problem filling up the time for your great listeners today, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. First time guest, and I always like to have... You know, I, I, I feel like I do my listeners and you guys out there in Listener Land a disservice when I have the same guests on over and over again. I'm always trying to find new guys to bring on that can offer a different perspective. And in general, 
I prefer to find younger guys because I'm an old guy and all my friends are old guys now. It's just what happens. Dan, tell me, who are you and why should anyone give a hoot? And I'll say that politely. Why should anyone give a hoot about what you have to say uh, about the NFL? Well, Teddy, I mean, this is a sport that I have loved since I was uh, a young guy, even even younger than uh, than you're alluding to now. Uh, I've been playing football since I was about in, what, second grade and change, and I played it all the way through college. Um, so I feel like I know the sport, and then people say, yeah, well, high school football, any of that, how does that translate? Well, since I've kind of transitioned into more of a broadcaster's role, um, you know, I host a, a, a podcast called Cash Considerations, do a bunch of different betting hits here and there. But um, since I've really tried honing in on specifically the NFL, and Teddy, I got to give you a little bit of credit. If people aren't checking out your show, uh, the opening line report that you and Drew Martin do each and every Monday, getting people ready to go for the week, I have learned so much about how I handicap the NFL directly from where you feel the market is going, where things are going. And um, I track all of my plays using the Action Network app. So, um, again, I know people probably say, yeah, you can fudge the record here, fudge the record there. I'm all about integrity, Teddy. 93-71 and 71 this season, so about 57% through 13 weeks, up about 55 units. So I feel like I know the sport, and you know, thanks to guys like yourself, I feel like the betting side of things is starting to come along a little bit. Well, I appreciate the kind words and the compliments there and the kudos. Uh, much obliged. You're having a real good season, a rock-solid season anyway. And you talked about, like, the broadcast angle. You're someone that you, mm-hmm. you, you host podcasts. Uh, you host a number of different shows about the NFL. Talk to me about the difference between talking about it and betting on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's lots of guys that have opinions when it comes to talking about it. It's easy. Oh, yeah, bet this, bet that, the other, bet the other. You talk about it and you bet on it. What's the difference? Well, I mean, Teddy, with so much of this legalization changing just the landscape of the betting industry and how it coincides with um, the broadcasting industry, because it used to be the big no-no. You know, you, you can't even hint towards the spread or total. <laughs> uh, that certainly loosened a little bit since the days when Brent Musburger, the ultimate sports better broadcaster, and his time about talking to his friends in the desert – you know, now on the broadcast, they're talking about, well, you know, maybe they'll cover here if they score. So that part of it has definitely changed. Uh, I just think the landscape is changing. And I think it's twofold because it's exciting that, you know, betting's kind of coming out of the dark, dingy corners. It's becoming more mainstream. But with that legalization comes problems as well that I'm sure that, you know, you you are privy to being out there uh, in Vegas. But um but it's just it's it's a different world now where it's not you're going to get shunned throwing betting into broadcasting um, unless you know I'm doing like a high school football game or whatever they probably don't want me talking about are these high school kids going to cover the spread you know yeah yeah of course you know and, and when you talk about you know where point spreads got started point spreads got started initially in the 1970s or uh, yeah oh sorry it was, it was before then uh, but. The guy who developed the modern betting system, bet it, it started out as he was trying to handicap his intramural league softball games, mm-hmm. and that became that that morphed over a course of a decade into the biggest uh, betting group in Las Vegas. Was a guy who was just trying to design a program to figure out if his softball team was any good. Uh, it turned out to be a guy who ended up beating Las Vegas uh, four millions. Great story. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> on a different show. Uh, I, can, I can definitely get way off track uh, on that one. But 
This is something that's interesting to me because you go to games. You're going to games all weekend, Army-Navy and the Eagles game. And, then, uh, and, and so you're a true fan. You know, you're Philly through and through. You're, you, know, you, you bleed Eagles. I have a really hard time leaving my house on a betting weekend. All right, I don't go see the Rebels play. I don't go see the Raiders play. I don't do anything on a football weekend. How do you manage being at all these games that you go to and betting when you're only able to watch the one game when you're at the game? Well, yeah, you're not lying. If you're out visiting Vegas and it's NFL season, uh, the, the line is never – I'm always going to bet the no on running into Teddy Covers out and about the town. But in the off season, you, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you make your rounds well. You pay your dues sure. there. Um, but, uh, but, man, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I have become somewhat of a pro at juggling game day and all of that entails and then also making sure that I know how the bankroll's doing. Because at the end of the day, having season tickets, paying for the beer and the food down at the stadium, you better hope your bets are doing pretty darn well throughout the day. So the way that I kind of balance it, especially if I'm going down there on game day, um, the score app is, is my absolute best friend. It's a mainstay on my phone, get my score alerts. I plug in what teams that I bet on, so it's telling me where the touchdown is. I get quarter updates. Real move that I have is streaming apps. So on my phone, I have basically all of them. I pay for the NFL package, any of that stuff. So if I'm walking into the stadium, if it's a timeout that's going a little bit longer, if it's halftime, if I'm waiting for the subway, whatever, you can bet your your cookies, uh, uh, Teddy, that I'm glued to the phone there. Uh, and the veteran move, you got to bring a mobile phone charger, Teddy, because the worst thing is your biggest play of the day and your phone is dead. So you're like itching your neck, you're sweating, you're asking all your friends, hey, what's, what's the score to this game? Can I borrow your phone? So always when you're going out, if you have bets to sweat, Teddy, bring the mobile phone charger. As a, as a, as a guy doing it all the time, that's a veteran move that cannot be understated. So, so I found that when I'm at a game that I bet on and the bet's losing, I'm more miserable than I would yeah. be if I was at home with the bet losing. Do you find that percent. to be the same case? Uh, a thousand percent, Teddy. That, that's why usually, um, you know, the big axiom is you never bet with your, your heart. You always are going to bet with your head. And, and, and I do that every now, and then, every now and then. But my favorite bet to make if I'm at the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium is betting against the Eagles on the point spread, especially if they're favorites. Because then I can still enjoy that they're going to win the game, but wow, you know, still maybe covering the bet as well. So when, uh, when the Eagles win but they don't cover, usually the happiest guy in the world is, uh, is, is yours truly right here, Teddy. But, yes, 1,000% if your bet's losing, I, much like you, go full curmudgeon mode. Yeah, I mean, one of the well, one of the best betting days of my life, and this is before I moved to Vegas, uh, and it was the day where Michigan was playing Washington State for the national title because they didn't have to play Nebraska. It was pre, I think it was the last year before the playoffs. Uh, so Michigan, you know, I, at the time I still bled blue. Uh, you know, huge Michigan fan, dying for Michigan to win a title. You know, dying for them to win the the beat the uh, was it Mike Price in the Rose Bowl? I think it was. Uh, and what do you do as a better? Well, I'm like, Michigan's laying too many there. I got to take the points. I'm like, I got to at least have something if Michigan loses. 
So I took the points with Washington State. I think it was plus six and a half. Michigan won the game by five. It was an exciting game. I got to celebrate a national title. And I got to cash my winning bet on Washington State. So uh, that was one that, uh, you know, still all these years later uh, stands out to me, uh, even though that's one that happened before I moved to Las Vegas and before I started doing this full time. We're just getting started with Dan Alexander here. I'm going to ask him next, who's going to the Super Bowl this year? I'll ask him for his final four, two from the NFC, two from the AFC, and the key factors for late season NFL handicapping coming up next when Cover It with Teddy Covers continues right here on Sirius XM Channel 159. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. We've got Dan Alexander joining us today, breaking down the world of NFL and NFL betting. And Dan, going to the Eagles game today. Dan, are you going to the, uh, the Eagles going to the Super Bowl this year? And yes or no? Let's, let's just leave it. Let's, let's start right there. Is Philly the best team in the NFC? I mean, it's it's starting to look like – here's the thing, Teddy. And, and, of course, you ask me a yes or no, and then I have to break it down into a dissertation. <laughs> but, 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 the, the, but the thing is, I never at any point really in this season – Viewed this as, oh my goodness! If if the Eagles don't even make it to the Super Bowl, then then it's then it's a failure. You know, the more wins that they start to stack up, sure, it, it starts looking that way. But um, it was never like Super Bowl or bust for me. But then Jimmy G goes down, and then the Vikings, who according to the marketplace are full on fugazi mode, uh, it, it's seeming more and more like the Eagles really are the top dog in the NFC. However. Me as an NFC East guy, the team I see lying in wait is the one that uh, that always likes running up the scores, it seems, in prime time, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I will say, and people probably are groaning at the radio, oh, this homer doesn't believe in the Cowboys, right? He's an Eagles fan. Of course he doesn't think the Cowboys are real. It's just I'm not as impressed with the Dallas Cowboys simply because what it seems to me, Teddy, is their favorite thing to do is make you think that they're really the team to beat. You know, they like running up the score once it seems like teams have maybe rolled over in a game or, um, you know, are a little bit overmatched. Uh, just kind of add to that perception that they're bigger than life. So I think the real litmus test coming up here for the Eagles in the NFC is how do they stack up against this team on the road, not with Cooper Rush under center? They're going to be playing on Christmas Eve, so I'm either going to be having a merry one or going to the eggnog a little bit earlier. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think, I think that's the team that really worries me as much. Before that, it was the 49ers, man. And, and honestly, we'll see this week how much of a drop-off is it with Brock Purdy under center for him. Um, you know, the, the coach there, he's, he's probably going to be more than ready to scheme them things up as Shanahan, one of the more offensive, creative guys. He knows this guy more than anybody. So I think there might be some wrinkles in there. I'm looking forward to see how this 49ers team moves forward because, man, are they loaded talent-wise. Yeah, San Fran, in my mind, the difference between Jimmy G, well, Trey Lance versus Jimmy G versus Brock Purdy, I'll just say not that big a difference between the three QBs yeah. from a power rating standpoint. Yeah. And Purdy, you know, we watched him play at Iowa State. The kid's got an arm, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm not shocked at all that he had uh, 
I had a bet on the Dolphins last week, and I was very disappointed. How often do you have a bet on a team and you're disappointed the quarterback gets hurt or bet against a team? I was disappointed that Jimmy G got hurt in that game. I thought it would be a problem. Uh, I wanted to bet against Jimmy G, and I want to bet against Jimmy G. Uh, now I don't have the opportunity, at least not in the short term. Let me ask you this, all right? You talked about Philly and Dallas, and I'm with you, all right? If I'm giving my final four for the NFL, my two from the NFC are Philly and Dallas, mm-hmm. all right? Give me two from the AFC. Who's the final four? And, I, and let me. So I guess it's a double question. Is Philly and Dallas your two from the NFC? And give me the two teams in the AFC that make, are going to make up the NFL's final four in January. Yeah, I think, Teddy, as it stands right here, heading into week 14, um, it has to be Philadelphia and Dallas. Now, again, we'll see um, how much this, uh, this, this change. I'm kind of with you. I don't think there's much of a, a, a drop-off um, from Jimmy G. So I think the 49ers could easily creep back in there. But, yes, as it stands today, it's Eagles, it's Dallas. You know that would be an NFL delight if that was the NFC championship game. The, the ratings would be off the chart. The betting handle would be off the chart. So uh, Eagles-Cowboys would definitely be a fun one, though probably not all that fun for my heart. Flipping things on over to the AFC, Teddy, how good has this Bengals team looked after they kind of shook off those, those early season struggles? I mean, they take down Kansas City last week. They get the cover as well and even before we we were working back in jamar chase um this team has just really turned things around and i think a major credit of that just goes to what a cerebral and high level player joe burrow is i mean this guy won me so much money when he was in college at lsu that last season was a dream just uh, just rolling with the tigers there so i already had an affinity of joe burrow love heading into that point so it's Bengals, and then the AFC is just crazy competitive. Um, you know, I know that obviously I've, I've talked all this talk about the Bengals, and people are probably, you know, saying, what the heck, this guy hasn't even mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs yet? The problem that I have with the Chiefs, Teddy, is it seems like since they won that Super Bowl, they're just able to kind of sleepwalk. You know, they know that they're going to be able to get a touchdown late. Um, you know, Mahomes connecting to uh, to his guy, Kelsey, so – um, yes, I, I, I know that they're one of the top teams, but I just think with the parity that we've seen across the league, but especially across the way in the AFC, that I think picking two stalwarts from that division is a little bit tougher than the NFC. I, I wonder what, what your thoughts on that kind of is. Well, I'm not picking against Buffalo, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is the team we haven't even talked about yet. You know, Fair. Uh, we talk about the elite contenders in the, in the AFC. And frankly, you know, we'll see what Miami looks like on Sunday night. I wouldn't sell the Dolphins short either. You know, there's a team that nobody's talking about that might get hot uh, in the postseason. Remember, Miami's, what, 8-1 and and when Tua starts and finishes uh, a game this season. So, in my mind, the competition to come out of the AFC is tougher than the competition to come out of the NFC. The AFC playoffs likely to be a bloodbath. Yeah, I think there's there's a much uh, there's a much bigger gap in the NFC when you're talking about top teams as, as, than there is in the AFC. I completely agree with that. The, the thing that I worry, and I feel like I've kind of fallen out of love with Buffalo just because they were the Super Bowl champion, anointed after the second week. Oh my goodness, who's going to be able to beat this? And then um, you know some injury issues and just some some glaring issues for Buffalo is their inability to run the football, and I see that kind of same inability 
with the Dolphins, that if the high-flying pass attack isn't quite there, if Tua gets a little bit hindered, um, that's what worries me about those two teams is when the NFL or, or when the playoffs roll around, Teddy, um, so much of it is predicated on being able to take the air out of the ball. A team with a good defense and a team with a good rushing attack is probably who's going to have my money come the, the late part of the season. You know, maybe maybe that's because since when I played football, I was an offensive lineman, so I'm always hoping what's going on in the trenches, what's going on in the run game. But I think that's just ultimately important is having an element of being able to pound the rock and pound it with success and keep the other team maybe not off the field, but when you have a lead, be able to ice that away. And that's just what worries me about those two sides in Buffalo and in Miami. Um, you know, I know there's some consternation between those numbers, but, uh, but I just, I, I'd like to see a little bit more from them in the running game, uh, which would make me feel a little bit better about them. That said, when you have elite-level quarterback play like the Bengals did yeah. last year with Joe Burrow, you don't need a run. It's not like Cincy's got a good running game this year. It's not like they had a good running game last year. It's not like the running game did anything in the postseason for the Bengals last year. That's what fair. happened in the postseason was that Joe Burrow got hot, and he's got an incredible receiving core, and yeah. that certainly carried over to what's going on now uh, for Cincinnati, the hot streak they've been on over the course of the last couple of months. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I mean – all the contenders in the AFC, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's KC, whether it's Cincy, anywhere you want to go, you're going to find vulnerabilities. You're not going to yeah. find a team that has every player on the 53-man roster is exactly perfect. You know, um, I think the Bills, depth-wise, the Bills and Chiefs both, when it comes to quality depth, they're a notch or two above anyone else. And, and that's why Buffalo's been able to handle all the injuries they've had this year. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think the other thing is just when you have, and you alluded to it there, just a high-level quarterback, it, it just, it, it's able to mask so much of, of poor play. Like, you know, the, the perfect example of that, Teddy, is um, what's happening with, with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, the Buccaneers are a bad football team, Teddy. Like, like they, they, are, they are not a good football team. Defensively, they give up yards in bunches. They give up. Uh, you know, scores, they, they at least are able to keep it low when they're playing against, you know, subpar offenses. But if it weren't for Tom Brady continuing to turn back the clock and continuing to be Mr. Magic, you know, how, how great would they be looking? You know, they'd be looking at three wins tops if it weren't for some of these coin flip games that they were able to win. But they have the Magic, man. They have Tom Brady. They have, as you so perfectly put elite quarterback play even at this stage in his career he's able to find a way to do it so you are able to mask some of that stuff uh you know some of those woes in the run game or anything like that when you do have a high flight um strong passing attack so um that's true and i guess in the same sentence teddy it's not like they're going to be playing the uh the super bowl outdoors in snow where, uh, where you're going to need a running attack to be able to move the ball down the field it's going to be in a, in a nice well ventilated dome stadium so uh, you know i guess that that's a factor i didn't throw in there either and of course with any uh, of the teams that we're talking about as potential elite contenders whether it's josh allen whether it's patrick mahomes did you see what Justin Herbert did last week? I mean, if you want a prime example of a, a, a team that, you know, considering the injury situation they have, really isn't that good. <laughs> and a quarterback who's just hanging in the pocket making throws, Herbert, uh, was certainly that guy and has been that guy in recent weeks. So it's not unheard of or unusual for a team 
with a quality QB to start making yeah. noise later on Good in the campaign. Point. I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's there's so many. There aren't so many elite QBs in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. So when you start mm-hmm. to see your Jalen Hurts is starting to play that way, you know, yeah. how good's he going to be? Because uh, in my mind, you look at all the best young quarterbacks from the AFC, Hurts is the one in the NFC that's probably good news for Philadelphia moving forward. We've got much more with Dan Alexander coming up next. We're going to talk about bet on, bet against, over teams, under teams. Stay tuned. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGridTV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow today's guest, Dan Alexander, at Newbie Talks. N-E-U-B-Y. That kind of newbie. At Newbie Talks. Dan Alexander. And Dan, before the break, we were teasing about the closing stage of the NFL season. What we look for from bet on and bet against teams. You talked to me during the break and said you wanted to talk about late season teasers. What's different now compared to, let's say, October or November when it comes to late season NFL, and how does that affect with the teaser piece of the equation? Yeah, I I mean, I I think that um, it's just once the season starts rolling through, and I feel like especially this year, um, because to start the year, I'm a big-time teaser better. I, I know that sometimes people talk about them being a little bit more a sucker bet, but the ones that I do are those six-point advantage teasers, the formulaic thing that you hear everywhere. You hear anybody handicapping NFL, going through three, going through seven in low-total games, making points at a premium. Um, the, the Stanford Wong teasers, you know, I guess that they're called. Yeah. They were exceptionally dreadful to start the year. This year, Teddy. But... I'm starting to notice over these last few weeks, and I want to get your thoughts on this because, uh, again, I think as far as studying uh, where lines are, where lines are going, you are one of the best in the business at doing this. As these odds makers have started to get more and more data to draw from, because, yes, you can use historical stuff, any of that. You can use advanced metrics, but until you're actually in the season, that's what makes NFL betting so great is all of them end up being in a vacuum. And as people get more and more data after week and week, these lines start to get sharper and sharper, and those six points become so much more important. So while these, these Stanford Wong teasers weren't hitting at, at a very good rate to start the season, these six points have become so much more important towards this latter part of the NFL season that you are seeing these, these teams that you're taking up to eight or that you're taking from, uh, from seven and a half down to the uh, the one and a half. You're seeing them hit with more regularity, so that's been a nice boon to my bankroll. But would you agree that as the season goes on longer and these lines get hammered into shape with a little bit more regularity, um, that those six points become ultimately more important and these teasers uh, you know, start to hit with a little bit more regularity? So it's not unusual to see the teaser market not be as successful. Your classic Wong teasers not be as successful in September. Yeah. Why? It's simple, because the power ratings aren't set. 
<laughs> particularly well mm. in September. You're ba- you're, you know, the, the numbers are based on expectations, not realities. The sweet spot for betting Wong teasers. You know, again, you're talking about taking the shorter favorites. Sorry, the shorter underdogs. Plus two and a half, plus two, plus one and a half. Tease them up over a touchdown. You're talking about taking the bigger favorites of just over a TD, minus seven and a half, minus eight, minus eight and a half, and teaching those down below a field goal. Those are your classic Wong teasers, and those tend to work very well week four through about week 15 or week 16 of the NFL season. At the very end, the last two or three weeks, once again, you see the teasers not historically perform as well. The teams that are done are done by that stage of the campaign uh, on a pretty regular basis. So the sweet spot for teasers, you've just gone through it. October, November, and early December. I hope, I'm glad you were able to cash a whole bunch of bets. Now, I've been (laughs) promising everyone, you're going to tell me who a bet-on team or two is down the stretch. Who is currently undervalued in the NFL betting markets? What team or two can our listening audience make money with moving forward in the NFL and why? Yeah, and, and Teddy, I'm glad that you asked this question because it really made me reflect a little bit on how the season has gone, maybe where the season is going, because that really isn't part of my week-in and week-out NFL handicapping approach, is having a more macro view of the market. Because I'm a spot, I'm a situational guy, so I don't really love trying to pigeonhole myself into, hey, this is a team that I always want to be trying to, to, to ride with every single week, but... I think during this latter part of the season, and unfortunately they're not as under the radar as I would like because the fact they're favored this week against uh, one of the top teams, I'll put in air quotes, in the NFC against the Vikings, man, Lions have just been a moneymaker under Dan Campbell against the spread. And even when it was kind of priced in, even when we knew that last year that they would be having the back door swinging wide open in the wind, they were still covering, you know, at a, at a terrific rate. I feel like that has now evaporated because when you blow out a team in the NFL, even if it is the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug <laughs> Peterson, that uh, that starts evaporating a little bit. A team that's been sneaky good uh, against the number two here, even or especially as favorites at home, outside of when they were playing against Washington, shocker, Teddy. I like the Philadelphia Eagles. I think especially when they're playing at home under Nick Sirianni, this guy has people ready to go and ready and rare it. So they've covered at a nice rate as favorites at home, and now they're going to be a favorite on the road. I don't know if I love them this week, but those are two teams that have had my money quite a few times, and I've had a pretty good read on them. And uh, I don't know how undervalued they'll be moving forward, but it's two teams that I've been betting on, and you know, even when betting against them, had pretty decent success on them. So two teams with positive point spread records now. Dan Alexander says expect more of the same moving forward, Detroit and Philadelphia. What about a bet against team down the stretch? A team primed to close out the season with a bunch of point spread losses. You have a team that stands out, or two uh, teams that stand out to you in that regard? Yeah, I mean, Teddy, we can't just say the Texans, right? We, <laughs> I mean, you can. The book if, is if, out. What, they're, 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 they're 17 and a half point underdogs this week, and still it makes my stomach turn wanting to think about betting on the Texans. It's just for them. I don't know how much they want to start, um, you know, working for the next coach or putting some things on tape. So while I wanted to come right out of the gates and say the Houston Texans, I'll go a little bit deeper and say, 
I think it's time to start getting on the fade train with the Ravens. I know they're getting points here. I know Lamar Jackson is hurt. I know all of that. But it's starting to seem to me, Teddy, that a guy who always seemed to have one of the steadiest hands in the NFL in, in Harbaugh is starting to lose his fastball a little bit. And I'm not saying he's lost the locker room or anything like that. It's just this Ravens team has really just had this aura around them that um, that they're not they're not playing up to expectations. I think part of that is due to injuries. But last year they had all kinds of injuries, and that allowed them to be undervalued in the marketplace. You know, I, I think we'll learn a lot this week in their game. I talked about those Wong teasers. Uh, you know, I, I say bet against Ravens while I want to take them up to eight and a half. But if they can't cover that Wong teaser, Teddy. I think they're a fade team that could kind of be limping over the finish line, even though they're potentially in playoff contention. The other one for me is just once it gets past week seven, you fade Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I I, I don't understand how people continue to bet the Cardinals, continue to bet Cliff Kingsbury. Um, This is a team that when all said and done, they're not going to be having much to play for. Um, They they, they have a a head coach who doesn't like their quarterback. They have a quarterback who doesn't like their roster. They fight on the sidelines. So the tea leaves say you want to stay away from the Cardinals. And the records, especially at the back end of the year with Cliff Kingsbury, say that's a team you want to be fading through the end of the season. Sure, sure. Kingsbury's track record in December is not bet on. And Harbaugh last year for Baltimore. You remember, the Ravens were the number one seed. I think it was on the show last week talking about last year at this time, Baltimore's the number one seed in the AFC. And then by the time the playoffs started, the Ravens weren't even in it. So it's not like their track record in recent Decembers is particularly good. Dan, give me an over team, a team that's primed to score points and give up points in bunches uh, down the stretch. What team stands out to you in that regard? This has been a team that, again, I just talked about when we were talking on some of these bet on teams. This Lions team, this offense is fun, man. I mean, Jamal Williams can break tackles with the best of them. And then, oh, yeah, they have a guy who would probably be at least the, the, the lead back or second lead back on most teams in, in Swift as well. And Goff, especially when he's in a dome, is pretty darn capable. And that Lions defense, while they were able to shut down the Jags, they still leave a little bit to be desired. So that was an over team, I feel like, coming into the year for me. And they haven't made me out to be a liar yet outside of a hiccup here, a hiccup there. So Lions definitely a team for me, and I think as, as, as healthy uh, or as, as they get healthier, the other one for me is going to be this L.A. Chargers team. Uh, you talked about Herbert and what he's able to do and, and the, just the masterful nature that he has when he has a steady hand and he has some blocking in front of him. Now hopefully getting Keenan back at, at uh, Keenan Allen back at full health, they have a, a absolute uh, – you know, bounty of weapons at their disposal. And, oh, yeah, Austin Eckler, if they ever have to lean on the the run game, he can score some points in bunches too. So I would say the Lions and the Chargers, two teams that I think down the stretch and their their schedules kind of set up with some uh, some looser defenses, at least here and there, that's going to allow for some, some points to be dropped in bunches for the Lions and the Chargers down the stretch here. So Lions' offensive line is still pretty darn healthy. I do have my concerns about the Chargers' offensive line. That could be a problem yeah. for them down the stretch. They were missing both tackles in their center last weekend. It showed. Uh, but Herbert's special, <laughs> man. Herbert really is. He is. Uh, you know, he's not getting the love that so many of the other AFC quarterbacks have gotten because he hasn't had the playoff success just yet. Yeah. But Justin Herbert deserves to be mentioned in the same breath 
with your Josh Allens and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrows of the world. At least I think he does. We'll find out over the course of the coming <laughs> postseasons. All right. You've given us a bet on, a bet against, an over. A couple of overs. How about a couple of under teams? Real quick, uh, because we're running out of time. Well, I love it. The time's going so fast because we're having so much damn fun, Teddy. Thanks again for having me on, brother. This has uh, been a lot of fun. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as well. But, yeah, these the under teams, man, it's, it's as simple as I'll give you one. I mean, the Denver Broncos. Every week, just, 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 just rinse and repeat with this team. The, off, the offense can't score any points, uh, and, and, and the defense – is so darn good, man. So they, they can lock people down. I think their game this week against the Chiefs is going to be an underplay for me. I, I think uh, divisional foes obviously always kind of plays to the under, just formulaically doing that. But uh, as long as Nathaniel Hackett is on that sideline, it's going to be unders for me with the Denver Broncos. Great stuff from Dan Alexander. Dan, we've got about a minute left. I need a free play from you, and I want you to promote yourself. So knock yourself out, my friend. Absolutely. Again, Teddy, this has been great. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully coming back soon. The play for me, I'm going to the game today. Eagles, Giants, we're going over the Eagles. First half team total. You can find it out there, 12 and a half. I like that. You got to lay a little bit of juice. I still like it at 13 and a half because I think we see two touchdowns from this Philadelphia Eagles offense. Reason being, Teddy, this is the first time Giants are getting to see this attack. And outside of that little blip, the three-week stretch where the Eagles haven't been, you know, not covering the only covering the spread but cashing their team totals in the first half, other than that little blip, it's been a money-making machine. I think we're getting some value on this number because we're seeing some rain in the forecast over, and you can always find me at Newbie Talks on Twitter. That's the best place to find me, Teddy. Great stuff from Dan Alexander. Really enjoyed getting a chance to chat with you on air today, I'm sure. We'll do it again in the not-too-distant future. And best of luck with all of your wagers today and moving forward. I've got an opinion on the Eagles-Giants game as well. I'm not talking first-half team total. I'm talking full-game side. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and catch something that Dan Alexander said at the beginning of the show. If you want to go back in the archives, check out a show from last week or last month or last year. Real simple. Cover it with Teddy Covers is available podcast style. Download and consume at your convenience. You can download today's show. You can download basically every show I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network. Just go to wherever you download your podcast. All major podcast outlets, all minor podcast outlets. Search Cover It. I'll pop up. You can download and listen whenever you are so inclined. Like I said before the break, yeah, I got opinion on this Eagles-Giants game, and it's not going to be in favor of the Giants. Giants defense in that frustrating, demoralizing tie against Washington last week. Blown lead tie against Washington last week. Giants defense was on the field for, what, 81 plays, more than 41 minutes. That's a gassed unit. Giants offense was held without a first down six of their final eight drives. That's not an offense that's clicking. 
last five weeks. These are the wins for the Giants. They beat Houston. <laughs> the worst team in the league. That's it. Oh, did I mention the Giants can't stop the run right now? They're number 30 in the NFL, allowing 5.1 yards per carry. And what does Philly want to do? Dominate on the ground. Bad weather game. Philly's as strong in the trenches as any team in the NFL. And they've averaged 5.5 yards per carry over the last three weeks. Giants couldn't move the football against Philly last year where they had scored 10 and 13 points in those two games. I'm not convinced they're going to score a whole lot more here. And, of course, we had Jeff Michaels on the show last week. He gave us a trend and angle about what works in December. Talked about uh, against the divisional foe when the lines are 7 or less. The underdog, 11-23 and 23 against the spread. That not good news for the Giants on Sunday. So I laid 7 with Philadelphia. And be sure, lay 7 I know there's some seven and a half out there. You do not want to get the worst of a key number for this one. And that's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me and my guest. Enjoy the games. Good luck. Kick ass all day today on Sunday.